buying and selling real estate, it can be a tough business to navigate. Sounds like you need some friends in the know. For instance, two longtime Twin Ports real estate professionals who know the ins and outs of the market. This is the Twin Ports Real Estate Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAM. Good afternoon and welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Rodney and Gary Callagher here from Remax. Gary, of course, is in the Twin Ports and I'm down in Florida. So, listen, good afternoon, Gary. How are you doing? Jim, we're doing real good. Uh, we're wishing that we were as warm as you, but we're not. And uh... Well, isn't it supposed to get pretty warm, um, um, you know, like over the weekend? I mean, isn't it, isn't it getting up no. there? No, 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 no. You're not getting the 60s heat wave that, like, Minneapolis is getting? <laughs> no. We're getting a nasty storm this weekend. Oh. Um, we're going to get some ice and snow and maybe, I don't know if we're going to get some rain, but it's going to be an unpleasant weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that that's, I think, I think the icy snow is way worse than... Um, you know, just the fluffy stuff, of course, and I know everybody agrees with that. But yeah, the icy snow is the worst. I mean, when it, it uh, and then I think we're going to have a little bit of a cold snap after that, according to what they're saying, and that stuff just freezes like concrete. So, but the good thing is, is the the sun is rising in the sky, so it, you can see some melting occurring, even when it gets cold. As long as the sun is out, that's kind of an it, you know, a good thing. But uh, um, Jim, these these mortgage interest rates. Yeah, I know uh, it. You know, actually, they held steady last week yep. from where we were a week ago. They're they're steady. You know, your thirty year conventional term is at four point one two five. Your thirty year FHA is still at four point nine nine percent, and your thirty year VA loan is at four point seven five. Um, but uh, the, uh, uh, the what they call the APRs or the annual percentage rate, which is the true cost of the money when you borrow it, those things have really taken off as well. So. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive to buy a house now, especially for, uh, you know, marginal buyers, the FHA buyers and the VA buyers. Conventional buyers is, you know, there's nothing you're getting under 3% anymore at this point anyway. And, uh, uh, but, you know, having said that, the markets are, they're really good. Um, you know, the activity is out there for this time of year. I mean, we're, we're, I don't know about you, but I'm busy. I know our mark, our, our office is busy. And, uh, you know, talking to some of the agents around town, I mean, everybody seems to be, uh, you know, active for this time of year. And we're heading into our spring market, and that's typically a very busy time of year. But it's cranked up right now, and, and people are in the marketplace. And I think these interest rates are just shrugging their shoulders and saying, yeah, okay. Well, well they still want to buy house. Yeah, and you know what I kind of feel is I feel that those people that are really serious about buying a house – um, you know, uh, those people have maybe even intensified what they're trying to do because these rates are going up and that's impacting what they're able to afford. Um, so I, I, I see that, uh, I feel that I should say, um, and it's a, it's a strange market. And, and then you add in the, 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 you know, everything else that's, that's going, um, everything that's going on. In the world, especially over you know overseas with with Russia and um, the the cost of gas is going up. I mean, so I think that a lot of people are like, I right, I want to get this house thing done, 
Um, so, geez, you know, it, it's there's a lot of things that are impacting the pocketbook right now. But housing is always at the at the forefront of of what is a need, you know. So I think that it's heightened some people, and I've I've actually talked to some people that said I really need to find a place. Um, you know, I'm emailing back and forth with a couple of them right now. You know, I really just want to find something, and and it's still not going to get any easier. But I understand the urgency based on those too. So, um, what are your thoughts there? Well, interesting that you mentioned the uh, what's going on with uh, uh, Russia and Ukraine because there was an an article that was actually written this week um, that dealt with some of the uh, Russian oligarchs and the amount of money that they've been pumping into uh, U.S. real estate over the the past few decades, and as uh, you know, President Biden you know wants to punish Russia with financial sanctions. And they're seizing, you know, some of their assets. They're these yachts. I don't know if you're. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the mansions and 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 some of the other assets, uh, they're saying it's going to be very difficult for lawmakers about how successful they're going to be at getting access to the money Russians have been pouring into real estate. You know, and and they deal with with uh, you know maybe you've heard of this place. Uh, There's a place in Sunny Isle, Florida. Uh, but but all over the country, I mean, Manhattan, you know, California, you know, this, uh, you know, the Russian, like they say, the Russian oligarchs have been pouring money. And, and some of it, quite frankly, has been, uh, you know, what they're saying is for money laundering. And so the um, uh, they they estimate that somewhere in the neighborhood of two point three billion dollars in Russian money has been laundered through the U.S. real estate. Um you know, over the past five years. Wow. And so, you know, uh, um, you know, how that all is going to affect them, I don't know, but uh, if they're going to be able to track that or trace that or what, but I thought that was an interesting uh, story that they that they put out there. Well, I just mentioned it. Yeah, I kind of think that, you know, when they when they release it to the press and he announces it in, you know, the um, State of the Union address that they're going to start seizing things um, well, yeah, there, there are a couple of, couple of these ships that sailed, you know, they, they sailed to the neutral, neutral ports. Um, I know that there was a couple of them that left Germany, um, after that announcement. And I mean, so I don't know it, to me, it, it, it's interesting that they're, that they're doing it, but it also is to me, is like they, they, they gave them fair warning kind of a thing. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know? So I don't know. I think it's. Sometimes I think all that stuff is a little bit of a setup, but yeah, they got they got one of the yachts. The other thing is is that they're not going after all of those oligarchs, you know. But and and a lot of them, you know, as far as the real estate in the in the United States, yeah, I, I'm 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 not heard of that. I have not I've not sold any properties down here to any oligarchs. Um, but yeah, I suppose it all exists for sure. But it sure is a well. No- no doubt. I mean, but this has been going on for 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 like forever. But it's not only uh, Russian money; it's Asian money. I mean, there's there's all kinds of people that invested in real estate, U.S. real estate, you know, over the past twenty to thirty years, and uh, you know, it's it's been a good bargain. It's been a good deal, and they've they've uh, uh, you, you know they buy these investments. I mean, it's no secret that that uh, you know China has been pumping money into the U.S. real estate you know market for for decades as well. Uh, and so, you know, uh, this, they're not the, the Russians aren't the only one that have been doing this, but 
interesting as all of this uh, this turmoil goes on in Ukraine that this story comes out. Um, but but they're not the only ones. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's you know what's the price of gas up there? Um, I think it went up yesterday. But I saw it at three sixty five a gallon. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's about. Um, yeah, it, it, it's about three seventy here, um, which is you know that's gone up fast too. So there, there's a lot of things that are impacting the economy. Um, caused by outside forces, uh, obviously, and, and that's you know, it's alarming what's going on over there, and it's and it doesn't make it doesn't make it fun. I, I, I think that the the interest rates, which you know had been going up um, prior to you know any of this stuff, I think that is driving buyers back into the market a little bit, trying to see if there's any way that we can finally win out on a deal and, and get a house and. Um, it's very frustrating for them. It's very frustrating for for us as realtors too to to try to to try to navigate this this wacky world of, of that we're in in real estate right now. So, well, one of the interesting things, Jim, that I pay attention to every year is um, you know the the mines, the shipping, the railroads. Those things are very big drivers of our economy. Right. They have been for forever. Um, the um, there's a, there's the uh, iron ore docks that are just between um, 27th and 40th Avenue West. They're off the freeway. Yep. And typically over the winter, you know, when the shipping season stops, they start to load up uh, on the attack night, the pallets out there. You know, they, they bring them down they, they, in anticipation of the shipping season starts. And it, it's going to be picking up here in the next two to three weeks, you know, where you're going to see it happen. And so I watched them fill up this large uh, staging area that they have for these pellets. And they, um, um, uh, and I noticed, actually, it was out there yesterday. Yeah. And I thought, boy, that's, there's not a lot. You know, last year at this time, they had that area pretty full. But uh, I, they, they, it's just not filling up like they've had it, you know, over the past few years. So, you know, I think that, you know, uh, along, I, whether that equates to, you know, they're, they're importing steel again you know and having some of the uh the other countries dump their steel you know into the united states i don't know but it just doesn't seem like that those taconite pellets mounds that they store it really hasn't taken off yet and so that's certainly a concern for local our local economy i would think you know when it comes to the mines and then and then you have cleveland cliffs that shut down uh one of these big plants indefinitely um, because of the cost of paying the royalties on it, so those are those are impactful jobs that you know hurt people locally here. Right. Uh, and what it equates to in terms of the real estate market, I, I don't know what percentages are how it affects it, but but those are those are things to keep an eye on. Yeah, that is for sure. Um, and there, there's all kinds of things that impact, and, and we certainly know that when the rain struggles, that brings down into the twin ports. Um, because it does affect a lot of jobs. So, hey, Gary, we're already at our first break, so let's take it right here. Folks, you're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and hang in there. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning and Gary Callagher here from Remax. I'm down in uh, Punta Gorda, Florida, which is sort of by Fort Myers, 40, 45 miles from Fort Myers. 
Um, and if you're interested in finding out about real estate or if you have real estate here that you're interested about the value, give me a call. My number is 218-348-7653. And Mr. Callagher? Yeah, I'm up here in the Twin Ports, licensed in both Minnesota and Wisconsin, and I'm at 218-390-0615. And again, I'll put a shout out there to uh, people that sellers, if you're thinking about selling your house, you haven't put it on the market yet. I have two active buyers, actually three active buyers now, and um, uh, they're looking for, you know, properties. One in particular, you know, we will spend up to eight say in the 800,000 range, would love to be on a lake, would love to be on a river, would love to have some uh, an additional building, heated type of a, a structure that they can uh, uh, hang out in, that type of stuff. I have people looking for view properties and um, uh, and then somebody just looking for a house. They don't care where it is in the city. Um, they're just looking for a house. So um, if you, if you want to do a one-time showing, just let me know, 218-390-0615. All right. Well, I see the Cozy's back in the news, huh? Our good friends at the Cozy. <laughs> it's the never, it's like, what's that movie, The Groundhog Day? It just, yeah, right. It's just, yeah, keep, exactly. It's yeah. coming back, you know, and uh, someday we won't talk about this anymore, but it's it's been a um, uh, an acquaintance of the Twin Ports Real Estate Show here for the past few years, and I guess we'll keep talking about it, but... And hopefully this gets resolved at some some point this year. But uh, uh, the last time we talked about this, Jim, the um, district court, uh, which is the local type of a court, here, right, right, yeah, ha- had um, uh, demanded that the plaintiffs, the um, uh, the uh, past, the what they call the pastor terraces, former owner Eric Ringsrud, and a group known as Respect Start here, Re- Respect Starts here, um, they were told by the district court to put up a bond in the amount of uh, $140,229 to cover the cost that the city would have to bear to stabilize that facility because the district uh, court had ordered that they they put some bracing on on the external walls so the right. walls didn't fall outwards right. and 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 the city you know and Dita, which owns that the Duluth Economic and Del- Developmental Author- Development Authority they own that building and so they said, well, you know, we're not going to, um, you know, not do it, but, you know, we think the plaintiff should have to put up a bond here because in the event that we win, they should cover that cost. And the plaintiffs uh, went back to the Court of Appeals last month, and the Court of Appeals just issued their um, uh, their their findings on this thing, and they, uh, they said uh, – that uh, no, um, the uh, district court can have jurisdiction on that, and if he wants you to put up that bond money, then uh, you know that's fine with us. Um, the uh, the the appeals court, uh, you know, the chief judge Susan Siegel noted that a three panel judge previously addressed the bond issue, determining it was a matter for the district court's discretion. And she also added that the preservationists identify no legal authority supporting their position that security is prohibited. And the petitioners have not established that the district court failed to perform a duty clearly required by law to compel maintenance and repair efforts without security. So, um, you know, the district court judge, Eric Hilden, is um, uh, he, he did order recently ordered a new um, expert report. 
and a set of July evidentiary hearings to supplement the record of an April 19th trial and likely making a, a fall decision on Dina's latest bid to secure permission to move forward with the demolition. Right. So here we are again. Here we are again. Here you know, we are again. They, they also had a, a nice picture um, from obviously a drone. And, uh, you know, Gary, that building, I mean, the roof is collapsed. Um, there's, there's just the four walls are standing. I, I think they're they're right in concern about it, you know, falling in on itself or worse, falling outward um, onto the public sidewalk. Um, I, I think that's I think that's a real deal. But I also think this this stuff is going on. You know, they even if they were to win, I don't know what the end result would be um, of what's going to happen to the building. I mean, nobody. You know, nobody's going to open up their checkbook and really, you know, grab it and, and fix it up. Uh, it, it just, to me, it, it doesn't look like it's, um, you know, really that precious of a structure. It looks very common to, to what there are thousands of buildings around, you know, Duluth and Superior look like. So this thing is is caving in from the top. Um, it's It's got a lot of, you know... It just looks like it could it could go over at any time. So I don't know when this is going to end, but I'm sure that the city of Duluth and the people of Duluth are quite sick of dealing with it. Um, and you know, I think it's time. But well, Jim, you you go back to 2010, 2010 yeah, when these, that first fire started, and uh, and then this the um, we'll the, go back uh, before then, Gary. I mean, it was a it well, was yeah. a it was a rundown old bar. It was it was typically the place that the police would spend most of their time. Um, you know, even driving by there, you know, at midnight or whatever, with you know, or, or late at night, you know, you know, geez, I don't know. There was people spilling out into the street, you know, and always there's always always police lights going on up there, so. Well, you had the cozy bar, you know, you had loft dolls on Lake Avenue and First Street. You had uh, the Duluth Liquor Store on First Avenue East and First Street. That's no longer there. And, and and then you had some of this, you know, development that was going on when the tech center was built and they built the city parking ramp there. And so you started to get this development going on there and you, and you start, um, you know, trying to mesh this stuff with what's been going on there for decades. It, it becomes a, a bit of a, of a challenge to say, Hey, you know, you guys have been doing this stuff forever, but you know, now we've got, we're trying to, there's some beautification going on here. There's, there, there are new buildings and we're trying to like upgrade what's going on here around. So, you know, you gotta, um, you can't do this here anymore. <laughs> and so, um, uh, I think they did a great job with the old Loftals bar there on that, on that building on, on first street and for, and Lake Avenue. But the cozy bar is beyond repair, and it really is. And this is this fire happened in 2010. If the if the owner of that building would have had fire insurance, we wouldn't be having these conversations. No. You know, so he's negligent. He he he's he has to bear. Well, some he wasn't paying his taxes either, was he? Well, no. They, that's ultimately what made him lose the building. He I mean, lost yeah, the tax mortgage. Yeah, and he's a doctor. I mean, I don't I don't understand. You know, I I don't understand the man. I don't understand. Um, the reason for this this end all fight, other than his son is the attorney, um, you know, 
Isn't that true? Isn't his son his attorney? Well, his son's one of the attorneys. I right. think that there's I, a I couple just can't, of attorneys. Who's funding? Side. Yeah, who's funding all of these attorneys? Um, you know, the son might be, you know, a, a kind of a I'll do it for you, dad kind of a thing, but I would think that he would get sick of sick and tired of dealing with this thing and want to move on to, you know, um, some income earning opportunities. Rather, <laughs> well, right? I mean, rather than... Well, hopefully Dad's paying them. I don't know. I mean, that's, Maybe, that's I guess. A, I mean, you know, Dad uh, didn't pay his taxes. Dad didn't pay for insurance <laughs> on the building. I, I don't know. I would question whether Dad's paying him. Um, but it is kind of a... It, it's, it's just such a tired old story. And, yeah, no, you know, absolutely and, agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it when, when the cozy, all of us. and you're right too. When the cozy was in was in big swing, and, and the cops were there frequently all the time, and, and things were kind of, you know, that was kind of the, the 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 I don't know the rundown area, you know, whatever. I mean, there was there was a lot of drunk people hanging out, you know, in front of these two buildings and stuff, and admittedly. Downtown Duluth, downtown Superior in the eighties and stuff like that, it was looking tired and and you know the, the the tech center. I thought when that happened and when it actually was going up, it was amazing because we hadn't seen you know development like that in the Twin Ports in so long. It was like you know almost unheard of and 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 or unseen in the area and. Um, now it's common. I think that there's a whole generation that has grown up seeing all of this infrastructure and all these buildings being being built and all this kind of stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, in the '80s, it was pretty tired. Um, well, I, you know, I agree, but but a lot of that really changed when the freeway started to come through. Right, exactly. And they, they had to. They the had freeway to, they finally finished after 25 years of just being an exit. Yeah, and then the development down there, the Canal Park, right. Um, you know, and so that really started to change down there. But but the other thing too, Jim, that started to change is back. You go back to the '90s when you know downtown. These are all commercial buildings. You know, lifelong commercial type uh, properties. You remember uh, Montgomery Ward, the the theaters, the the North Shore, the Granada, the um, uh, uh, Glass Block walls. These old buildings that were down there that were just staples of downtown. And, and as you got into the nineties and these buildings were vacant, I remember the vacancy rates for some of these downtown buildings were astronomical. Oh, and yeah, I believe right. Maurice's had a lot of office space taken up in several buildings in that downtown area. And then they built that building down there. And, and, uh, and so, but my point is, is in the nineties, as we got into the late nineties, you started to see some energy move towards, hey, why can't we have residential properties downtown? Why can't we have people living down there? Right. And, and they didn't allow that. I mean, the zoning just didn't allow for residential units to be down there. And so, you know, when they changed, uh, they came up with the new Udemy Development Code, you saw a lot of that start to happen where they started to develop condominiums down there, residential living. And I think that was a great idea. But along with that, you know, you have to, like, clean up some of uh there's always going to be areas i don't care what city you go to what major metro area or minor metro area you go to there's always problematic areas it's just the way it is and um but as you get and you want to develop that as cities and you want to uh deal with beautification um you have to address some of these 
these issues. And I think this is one of those issues that we just have to address. And as a city, we have to be strong about it. We have to have some teeth in our policies. And we just have to say, nah, you're not going to do this. And unfortunately, you know, this particular issue has taken so much time and resources. And I, I, I at some point, I, the, the people that are doing this, the plaintiffs, my goodness, I mean, you don't think there's any shame on them saying shame on you guys for doing this and taking up all these city resources. Let this building go, go, go back. We have plenty of historic buildings around this area oh my, that, yes. that can be salvaged and, and, and repurposed, but this one, no. So stop doing this, you know, get a hold of yourselves and, uh, um, let's move forward on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, and, and, I'm done with my rant on the cozy. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. But I think it's I think it's an interesting rant going back to the 80s um, and 90s and remembering, you know, what Duluth Superior was like and what it is now. I mean, heck, um, in 1988, I sold a building on down on Canal Park. Right. Right. About where the um, um, I think they did tear it down or or it still could be the building where the gas station is. Twenty grand, Gary. Twenty thousand dollars. I sold it for, um, but that's what the market was bearing at the time. And 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 you know that I think what was it called the the warehouse bar was down there. There and grandma's well, well, was down there. The, all of the activity. Geno's was down there. The railroads were down right. there. The, yeah, uh, there, it was the Lyle Brother Auto Parts. If you remember yeah. that going oh, way yes. back when, you had the Club Saratoga. You had the old Holiday Inn. You had the 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 spring place you had aw kettle that was right on the shore you had all of that scrap you couldn't walk down on that that where the lake walk you know goes goes behind all the hotels now you couldn't walk down there because there was so much scrap from all the heavy industrialized right. places that were down and there, there. Were and so, fences down there and yeah it was pretty ugly so it's it's a it's yeah. a massive transformation it's a massive transformation is absolutely correct so um what that all has to do with a cozy bar gym, I don't know. Well, but <laughs> I mean, the beautification of all this—I yeah, think it, it goes back. It goes back to the downtown area. You know, the downtown at the same time. You know, downtown Duluth, downtown Superior. It was pretty rough. Um, you know, it was. It, it it wasn't. It wasn't looking. It was looking like old, tired city, and um, it, it 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 doesn't look like that anymore, and it doesn't feel like that anymore. Um, there have been a lot of improvements on both sides of the bridge that are that are bringing, you know, um, the the twin ports back, and, and and obviously that has a huge impact on on the growth that's going on now because you have to take those first steps and believe in 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 your community, you know, before others are going to reach out to to want to live there. So it's just it, it, the cozy's got to go. You're right. I mean, we're back to that original point. The cozy's got to go, and I hope when it does. And I really hope it goes. I think they, they should, as soon as the city of Duluth gets the green light to tear it down, oh my Lord, have the trucks ready. Have it gone so you don't ever get hauled back into court again. Um, but anyway, just last one last thing on this. Um, I didn't get to the end of the article. When do they have to put that, that, that bond up? Did it stay in there? Well, no, they didn't give a specific uh, timeline to when they had to put it up. But I think that they they're having these other arguments that I think are due in July. And then the, 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 uh, uh, court district court is going to, uh, make some decision as to whether or not the city can proceed forward with, uh, demolishing it. But if the plaintiffs don't have the, the ability to put up the bond, I, I think the, 
the district court has no there's no reason for them not to allow the city to to move forward with, with demolition right and, but you know, on the, in terms of the timeline when they have to do it i'm not sure well and you know what i mean there have been there have been stranger things that have happened so you know in the meantime here uh like i said the picture from the overhead you know, if you get a structural engineer into that building, I'm sure there are a lot of issues and a lot of things that could happen. And you, you and I both know. I mean, heck, I had a I had a basement of a house a week after the the sale closed. Um, we had one of those huge storms, and 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 the basement washed washed out. You know, um, oh. and I mean, these things happen. They really, really happen. And you know this, the the cozy is going to make news like never before. If one of those walls collapse, you know, and and heaven forbid somebody is is in the area when it does. So, um, let's, Jim, how much time do we have left on this? Uh, we're we're just at break right now. So let's let's okay. just let's just cap this story here and go right to break. So, folks, you're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we will be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ron and Gary Callagher here. If you want to get a hold of me about some Florida real estate, give me a call at 218-348-7653. And Mr. Callagher. I'm in the Twin Ports at 218-390-0615. And Jim, normally at this time of the year, we would be getting preempted by some Minnesota Twins exhibition baseball. But... That's not happening at this point this year, so you're stuck with the Twin Ports Real Estate Show right here on KDL 610 AM every Saturday until that happens. So uh, I hey, hope hey, you, Gary. you uh, enjoy us, and uh, uh, Gary. we certainly enjoyed being here. Yes. The Twins um, Century Park, where they play down here, is probably 42 miles from me. I have been to preseason games there with the Twins. Um, also in the area is the, are the Boston Red Sox. They're also in Fort Myers. Um, believe it or not, the Tampa Bay Rays don't practice at home in spring training. They, they practice in Port Charlotte, which is like 15 miles from me. So spring baseball down in my area is huge and people are mad. Um, well, listen, you know, um, the new, airline up here sun country has a direct flight down into fort myers i believe yeah, and i was to Punta Gorda absolutely and fort myers. I was yeah. absolutely going to go down to spring training this this spring i was looking forward to it but uh that we ain't had beers and, and popcorn together at the, at the <laughs> twins game <laughs> while we're it baking on fun. those uh, in, in in the sun you know yeah i but don't know anyways There's, a lot of people mad about that and 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 and, and it's it's like uh it's it's american oligarchs you know the players who make a lot of money. The the owners who are obviously you know billionaires. You know for the average yeah, but guy, these, these local communities, gyms, yeah. There was a, it, a, a it hurts. store they put out. They're they're losing tens of millions yeah. of dollars because the of the restaurants uh, for the local economy that they're not getting back this year. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to get back. No, they're not. And that's so. that's unfortunate for them. So um, and and interestingly enough, I know I want to get back for a real estate story, but I also read an article that was posted this week by a sports writer, and he basically said. Hey, come on, players! There's only so many spots for elite baseball players, professional baseball players. That's it. You you don't get any more spots. Some of the the guys that have been coming up, they've been doing this for years. They've been running around the minor leagues. You know what? If they were meant to be up at the professional level, 
they would be there. And yes, they get paid well. And you're doing right by them to try to get them increased pace. But but some of these other issues, it's like, come on, you guys. There's only so many spots available. Right. And, you know, that was kind of the gist of the story. So anyways, yeah. on to back it. to real estate. Jim, I got a new listing I want to talk about. It's up in the Woodland neighborhood. It's at 147 West Redring Street. And occasionally you get some very interesting uh, listings. And I think the interesting thing about this one, this is a three-bedroom, two-bath, bungalow-style home. But really the most important thing, Jim, the the current owners, they've lived in this house since 1971. <coughs> you know, you're talking over 50 years wow. of, of, of a one-owner home. And, and uh, uh, that that's amazing. And one of the things, when you see a house like this, Jim, and somebody has lived in it for this long. What's one of the first things that come to your mind about about the the house itself? Uh, reminds me of my old house. I don't know where you're going. No pride and ownership. Oh, People of course, take care yes. of their houses when they live in these houses this long. These are well taken care of homes, and the upgrades of your your necessities, your furnaces, your wiring, your plumbing, your windows, your roof, your all that type of stuff. You know what? They take care of it. And so uh, to, to see this and, um, uh, you know, have these folks, uh, you know, call me and say they want to list their homes and, you know, you get up there. And remember, the average person moves maybe every seven years. Right. That's what the average pe- you know, person moves every and, seven and years. That might, that's that unusual. Might, that, might, that, that stat might be even lower than that now. It might be down to five, you know. Yeah. Well, to see the longevity of this type of stuff, I, I love that. And to see people have raised their families in these neighborhoods and they've lived in these houses uh, for so long. And then, you know what, you get to a point in your life to where you say, you know what, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to mow the lawn. I don't want to shovel the snow. I don't want to take care of a house. I want to live in, in a different convenient setting. I want to be in a condominium. I want to be in a co-op or whatever. And and they sell. They move on, you know, but but that's where their lives have been for so many decades. And so I think it's, it's, um, it's important to uh, recognize that. And, um, uh, you know, I hope uh, by the time you hear this, this house may be sold. But um, uh, yeah, I bet uh, you're probably getting a lot of activity on it, no matter what it is. Yeah, a lot of activity on it. And, uh, uh, but definitely kind of a cool thing. So another thing I want to talk about here, Jim, is, you know, in real estate, you know, it's supposed to be a, a when somebody buys a house and somebody sells a house, it's supposed to be a pleasant experience, right? It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be energetic, you know. However, there are times when it's not. And I was made aware of a situation this past week. It wasn't something I was involved with, but but one of our agents. <clears throat> and it, it always reminds me of like you, you have a very small percentage of transactions that that are not pleasant and they're not pleasant experiences. And, um, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the things that happens, especially when you're dealing with people that are going through, like, let's say a divorce, you can have a lot of emotional situations going on, you know? And so, um, uh, we have to deal with some of that as a real estate agent. And if you've got one real estate agent that has the listing and also has the buyers, so you're dealing with everybody, it can get uh, pretty explosive sometimes. I mean, I think we had a situation that happened last week. And, and uh, this time of year, if, um, 
there's a lot of snow on the ground. And if, if people had a lot of stuff in the yard and it's all frozen in the ground, very difficult to remove that stuff. And so buyers as a final walkthrough. And if, if, uh, if you're dealing with a divorce and, and, uh, you don't clean the house out and you leave all your stuff in there and the buyers do a final walkthrough and they're going, well, geez, what are we supposed to do here? You know, how do you handle that stuff? How do we deal with that? You know, when, when somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do when they move and and when you're in a situation to where there's a lot of outside stuff left in the ground and it's frozen in the ground and they're not getting it out till the ground thaws, what do we do? How do we handle that? Well, I mean, I to answer it, I mean, it, it's you know the, the 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 seller has a responsibility to to deliver the property free of debris, free of personal property. If it's frozen in the ground, they can't get it out, and you want to guarantee that things are going to happen when, it, as soon as it thaws, then of course I think you got to put some money on the table as a guarantee. Um, is that is that what we're talking about here? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the, the top issue. If if a seller, and, and again, I'm dealing, we're dealing with a divorce situation. You're dealing with some very right. emotional dynamics here, and when it comes to money. Uh, it can be very explosive. And so trying to uh, understand when you do the final walkthrough, if that stuff is there, you you can't let the buyers close on these things until this is resolved. And if you've got a situation to where it's clear they're not moving that stuff out or they're not getting that stuff out of the ground, then they're responsible, in my opinion, to pay for that. And some monies well, so should be held from their exactly. uh, proceeds to cover that. And if, if it's not... You deal with a very difficult situation. Well, and you, the thing is, is that you know everybody has best intentions just before they're going to, you know, close on their house. Maybe get a very large check. Um, this is part of a final divorce. Everybody's going to say, "Oh my gosh, we'll be back there as soon as you know the thaw, and we'll get it out of there." And you know, once the check is in the bank, they're like, "Going, I'm not going back for that stuff." And and you and I know this happens, but I'm assuming. That not all young realtors do, and and uh, hopefully there you're not going to talk about a mistake here. Well, I'm. It, it's it, it's neither. It's an unfortunate situation when yeah. that happens, but but I think you're absolutely right. Once the check is delivered to the sellers, they have zero motivation to go clean it out, and so you get into the unfortunate situation of, as the real estate agent is, if like if you haven't held funds back, guess what? It's going to cost you some money. And you can't let you can't let people move into these houses without, um, you know, helping to deal with that stuff. You know, you can't leave a house full of stuff and walk away from it. But that happens. Yeah, and you got to have the money aspect too, not just the agreement. Because the agreement, you know, yes, if you if you get into court, that agreement would probably stand up. But the thing is, is you know, the buyers if they're going to have to take the seller to court. How many, how many thousands of dollars is that going to happen? Is that going to make so it won't happen? And before you know it, the buyers—it's their issue. But then you get other other issues where, let, if somebody, if one of the the uh, uh, the people are are volatile people, I mean, and they're they're very emotional and they're very difficult. Who the heck wants to deal with that? You know, you got people right. threatening that they're going to shoot you or do whatever. That's that's you, you. We don't have to deal with that, and and you have some very difficult situations that go on. And so um, uh, it's just some of the stuff that we deal with. It's very unfortunate. It's a very small percentage of, of these things that happen, but they do happen. 
and we do have to deal with it. But really, the best thing is, is you have to make sure you do these final walkthroughs with, with your buyers. And if this is the situation, you have to have the sellers put money in escrow and have an agreement that this will be done by this time. Or if it isn't, the money's go to the buyer. Right. Um, but in the meantime, and, the and buyers, the, and the, buyers and, want to live in the house. So right. The and and to clean the house up. after that time frame, also, everything, it's got to also state that everything else is considered abandoned and, and, and trash. And they can't go on the property. They can't just waltz onto that property without permission. You know, so very difficult dynamics that we deal with with some of these things. Very emotional. And we have to make sure that they're handled correctly. And as an agent, if you're dealing with both the seller and the buyer and and you don't have another agent in between there, it it can be even that much more difficult. Well, and and you know what? Uh, It's This is a situation where you've got a divorce, you've got... And you've got multiple parties. Um, you know, this is where an agent has to take control and say, "Look, Mister and Missus Seller, you are obligated to remove your items from the house." And you know, but what if, do you do if the, if if they start screaming at you and yelling at you and getting hostile? How do you handle that? Well, what do you do? You know what? You got to have you got to have your professionalism shine through. I don't know how else to put it, but. Gary, we're on a hard break here. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta take a break. Let's finish up with this when we come back, folks. You're tuned into the Twin Parts Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Parts Real Estate Show. Jim Ron and Gary Callagher here. So, Gary, we were talking about people abandoning property um, once they sell the property, and and just to finish that up, <laughs> you and I, in my opinion. Could probably do a whole show, maybe three shows, four shows, ten shows on real estate nightmares that we have been a part of or have have heard about. Because no matter how good you are, Gary, and you know this, no matter how you cover your bases and everything, you know, the world's not perfect. You have an understanding with the seller. They have to get their stuff out. Um, and, and you and I have both had, had houses that were hoarder houses. Um, and it's just, it's... It's an extra level of, uh, of service that we absolutely have to provide in order to make sure that this, that this stuff is taken care of. And a lot of times by closing, I would tell you this, just as my, as my very last thought, um, it always struck me when, when the sellers are moving out um, the, the day before, um, you know, and they've got their truck loaded the day before that an agent wants to have the walkthrough um, you know, before that, that never made any, the, the final walkthrough that never makes any sense to me. Um, because, you know, it's, it's supposed to be when they're all done. So, uh, and folks are, you know, a lot of people are probably saying, well, why do you wait till the last minute? Because that's what you have to do. You know, if, if you've got three people moving in a row, they're, they're all moving at the same time. So, well, uh, just, we'll, we can finish up on this. The, um, uh, a couple of things. As a final walkthrough with a, as a buyer's agent, um, it, let's say the buyer's not in town. I will do two final walkthroughs. I'll do one when they're available, and even if I have to do a video walkthrough and make sure oh, it's I will fine, too. and then, the, and then the, an hour before closing, I'll go back through there. You because bet. So will if, I every if, time. If, if it's not the way it's supposed to be, we deal with it at that point in time. I also walk through, if I'm a listing agent, on my seller's. Uh, the day before closing, I make sure things are in place, that they're going well, so nobody can walk through there and tell us something different. And if there is problems, we deal with them. And most of the time, we hold money back to deal with it. And most people are very agreeable to that. 
But in these volatile situations, it's a very, it's a sad ending for everybody, and it's unfortunate. But that's the way it goes. Yeah, and and the, the responsibility isn't ours, but the, the the situation falls back on us to handle. If, Absolutely, if, yeah. it's it's, so. it's on us, Jim, to help ensure that these things go as smoothly as possible. And it's on us as the real estate professionals to make sure we are taking care of our clients uh, to the to the best way that we can. And that's, these final walkthroughs are critical. All right, Gary, you got a minute to run through some stats quick for folks. Jim, we've got some sold properties. Duluth, who sold 93 homes so far this year. Average sale price is $258,000. Average days on the market is 16 days. When it comes to active listings, Jim, in Duluth, we currently have only 20 active listings in the whole city. And the a- average list price is 328000 So you can see the numbers there. There's not. It's a seller's market. Uh, buyers are still struggling to find stuff. Uh, we look at Hermantown, and so far this year, Hermantown has sold four houses. Average sale price in Hermantown is $406,000. Proctor has sold nine houses. Average sale price is one seventy-four. Cloquet has sold 20 houses so far this year, Jim. And yes. the average sale price in Cloquet is two fifty-five. Phenomenal price. Gary, uh, we're out in, of time, uh, man. Your station full of Minnesota Gophers. Yeah. 103.9 W280 FDFM and AM 610 KDAL Duluth Superior.